Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was sitting in the doctor's office and she was sitting me down going through the prognosis and the treatment and all of this. And she said, Courtney, you know, one of the biggest risks of this surgery is that your vocal cords could be severed. And she said, it is possible that, you know, if my hand slips, if anything doesn't go according to plan, that you might not be able to speak again if that were to happen. And Tyler, this hit me like a ton of bricks because... For the previous 20 plus years, I had effectively silenced my voice. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, the podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners looking to unlock the secrets of success. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and in today's episode, we have a special guest who will challenge the way you think about podcasting. Courtney Elmer is here to reveal the hidden power of episode titles and descriptions and how they can create subconscious demand for your podcast. She dives into the psychology behind color choices and cover art and shares the strategies used by top podcasters to stand out in their niche. But that's not all. Courtney also uncovers the secrets of anti-fragility, the mindset that enables entrepreneurs to grow through adversity and turn difficult times into opportunities for growth. She shares personal stories and real-life examples that will inspire and motivate you to take your business to the next level. So, whether you're a seasoned podcaster struggling to reach a global audience or a newbie looking for tips to launch your own ranked podcast, this episode is packed with valuable insights and actionable advice. So, entrepreneurs and business owners, get ready to think big, think bold, and think business with Tyler. Hey, Courtney, welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How's it going today? Tyler, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Your accent is awesome, by the way. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that the whole show. It sounds great. It's nice to have a a little bit different pace. Hey, the first thing I wanted to talk with you about is just to find out a little bit about you. What do you do professionally? And also a little bit, if you have an anecdotal thing about yourself, I'd love to know that too. Yeah, absolutely. So what we do is we help experts launch top-ranked podcasts that can help them reach a global audience with their message. And the reason that we do this, though, is because I really believe that as entrepreneurs, you know, one of the things that makes us unique, especially in a noisy world, gosh, and it's so noisy and it's getting noisier day by day, is our ability to stand out 
is to take ownership of our voice. And we don't often think of it like this, but your voice is like a fingerprint. You're the only person who has it. You mentioned my accent a moment ago, you know, and that's one of the things that makes me Courtney. It makes me unique. You're going to like it or you won't, right? If you don't, you might have already clicked off by now. Hopefully you haven't done that. But your voice makes you unique. And the other thing that we got to realize as entrepreneurs is that our voice allows us to shape history. It allows us to create a legacy. So I like to think of this, you know, you're, you are growing your business, right? You have had a lot of success. And the what's next question comes up for us a lot, right? It's like, okay, I've got the numbers down. We've got the profits. We've got the business. You know, all those problems that we experience along the way have been solved. Now what? And now it's time for you to really make your name known as an entrepreneur, for people to actually see the experience and the knowledge and the expertise that you have and your ability to shape the future. It gives me chills to think about, Tyler. And this is really the why behind what we do, but the what of it being, you know, helping you launch that top podcast as the vehicle for doing that. Very cool. Very cool. That's powerful. What about something on the personal side? Can you share a little bit about, you know, what makes you tick or anything anecdotally that you're open to sharing? Yeah. Well, if you couldn't tell I'm a Southern belle, born and raised right outside of New Orleans, the only meal I can cook worth eating is gumbo. So, you know, I've got that going for me. I have a five-year-old son. He is the reason why I do what I do. And one thing that most people don't know about me is that I was homeschooled from fourth grade all the way through high school. And that was a really impactful piece of my own journey that's that's shaped a lot of who I am and, and what I do and why I do it today. Yeah. What's your thoughts about homeschooling? I mean, the first thing I think of, because I, I was not homeschooled nor uh, anyone in my family, you kind of lose the chance to develop bonds with other kids is what I would see as maybe potentially a negative. I guess on the positive side is you you probably are a little bit deeper into your studies. What are your thoughts one way or another? I'd love to know. Yeah. You know, it's funny. People ask me, would you homeschool your kids? You know, and yeah. my son is in school. Okay. And my answer to that is always no, but, right? It's the no, but. And I think it really does depend on your goals as a family, your your values and what you value. You know, I was homeschooled and it gave me a lot of skills that I wouldn't have otherwise because it taught me to go out and make friends. It taught me to put myself out there and get involved in maybe some things that, you know, would have come naturally if I were in a school setting, but it kind of gave me courage in the sense that, well, I had to make that happen for myself. I had to go find friend groups and get involved in extracurriculars. And I did that and it was wonderful. And at the same time, I think there are some kids who thrive in a school setting. And my son is one of those. And I have two younger sisters who did the opposite. They were homeschooled through elementary and then went to high school. And they did well in that setting at that point in their lives. So I look at it as really, you know, it's it's an option. Right. You know, and I think that's an option that each and every family can only decide for themselves. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I want to take time back to when you were 25. You were dealt one of life's bigger challenges and you got diagnosed with cancer. And I wanted to talk about that. And, and you're a cancer survivor. How did that shape your perspective on life and give you strength when things kind of got tough? Yeah. Gosh, Tyler, you know, this is a big question because... <laughs> What didn't it shape? I mean, that was such a left field life experience. Totally didn't see it coming. I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer specifically and had no family history of that type of cancer or really any types of cancer, you know? So it was very 
earth shattering in that moment. And I can remember this like yesterday, I was sitting in the doctor's office and she was sitting me down going through the prognosis and the treatment and all of this. And she said, Courtney, you know, one of the biggest risks of this surgery is that your vocal cords could be severed. And she said, it is possible that, you know, if my hand slips, if anything doesn't go according to plan, that you might not be able to speak again if that were to happen. And Tyler, this hit me like a ton of bricks because for the previous 20 plus years, I had effectively silenced my voice. Wasn't that I didn't talk, but growing up, I was very outspoken, very sassy. You know, my mom was always (laughs) getting on my back about it. Like, Courtney, come on. Like, you got to learn to be respectful. And, but really it came from a place of wanting to be heard, wanting to know that my opinions mattered to someone. And I can remember when I was about nine years old, my mom looked me in the eye and she was like, Courtney, your mouth is what gets you in trouble. Go to your room, (laughs) you know? And I remember walking down the hall to my room that day. And for whatever reason, even though she had told me things along those lines before, I internalized that message. And from that moment forward, began to fit myself into these boxes that others created for me. Oh, you want me to be this way? Well, I want you to like and accept me. Therefore, I will be that. You want me to do this, right? It's interesting you even mentioned my accent because for a long time, people had no idea that I was from the South. Wow. You know, and it was one of these polished, yeah, professional, I have to appear a certain right. way in order to get a certain result type of beliefs that I had that really drove my way of being. So back to that moment in the doctor's office, I knew something had to change. And I knew that what I was doing in my life, which was working in corporate, climbing my way up the ladder, wasn't what I had been put on this earth to do. And even though I didn't have crystal clarity on, you know, what type of business to start or who specifically to help, I always had had an entrepreneurial streak and I had always dreamed of having my own business one day. And so that diagnosis was really the catalyst moment that made me make a change. Hmm. And had that not happened, I don't know that I would be doing what I'm doing today. I don't know that I would be here having this conversation with you. So it sounds kind of weird to say this, but like, I am so grateful for that diagnosis because it took me off of the path that looking back, I wasn't meant to be on. Wow. That is powerful. You know, it's interesting. I think us as humans, a lot of times when we're faced with I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be health. It could be loss of job. But our backs are against the wall. It seems like that's when we sometimes have epiphanies in terms of what we were meant to do or what we really want to do. And we realign. Would you agree with that? Yes. I call them catalyst moments. Ah. You know, where you, you do feel like your back's against the wall or it was something that you just didn't see coming. And maybe it's a lot of little things that you reach a boiling point. Or maybe it's a big thing, like a diagnosis or a loss or a tragedy of some sort, a pandemic that affects the globe, right? Where we are forced to look at our lives through a different lens than we've been looking at them. And I mean, I talk to people all the time and we could probably all relate to having those kinds of moments. The difficult thing about those moments is that we often don't realize they are catalyst moments or moments of change until we look back. It's in hindsight that we recognize it. And this is one thing that I am fascinated with because I feel like 
in the world of entrepreneurship especially, we're always focused on the next goal, the next level in revenue, the next big thing, the success that we want to create. And there are tons of people out there talking about how to create that success, the strategies, the tactics, the mindset. But very few people are talking about what do we do with failure? How do we navigate that? How do we grow through what we go through when our backs are against the wall? Can we get better at recognizing those catalyst moments in the moment and leveraging that adversity as opportunity? And I think that's something that we need to take into consideration as entrepreneurs more frequently and with more, more weight and more bearing than even those moments of success. Yeah, yeah. That's some powerful stuff. I agree with you. I think sometimes when change is forced upon us or we choose to go down that route is sometimes some of our best moments in terms of rising to the top. You know, just staying in the same lane, but a little bit of a gear shift. Any fragility you talk about a lot in your work. Can you explain what that means and how it relates to your own personal journey? Absolutely. I, you know, the term I did not coin, it was coined by an author by the name Ah. of Nassim Taleb brilliant mind. He comes from the financial sector, risk analyst, and he studied different markets for years and always was looking at what determines success in the market. You know, how how do we bounce back from these financial plummets and things of that nature? And then he got really curious and he started looking at this in other areas as well, business, science, parenting, you know, other places, like humanness, like how can we become more anti-fragile? What systems or entities do we have, you know, say government or school system, those types of things, which ones thrive and which ones fall apart? He wrote a whole book about it. It's a very deep book if you ever want to really get into (laughs) something that makes you think. And, you know, I, I got to thinking about this in terms of my own experience. And how I used to believe that resilience was what we wanted to cultivate in the face of pressure or stress. And a lot of us talk along those lines. If I could just be more resilient, well, then stressful stuff can happen. And, you know, it's like water off a duck's back. It won't bother me as much. It won't get to me as much. Yet there was a part of me that always felt like something was missing there. Was there something more to it? And Nassim puts this perfectly where he talks about you know, there is something beyond resilience and it's growth through the adversity that you face. Something can be resilient in the face of pressure or stress, but it doesn't mean that it will grow from it. Whereas anti-fragility, that growth is inherent. And so I liken this to, you know, this simply put, growing through what you go through in life, in business, looking at these catalyst moments, looking at the struggles that you face. What what do you lay awake at night and worry about? All those little moments that we have that are opportunities of growth. They're opportunities for us to learn something about ourselves and to learn something in turn about others. And those moments are really beautiful. But again, we don't often look at them as opportunities. We just look at them as something to avoid or Oh, I want to get out of this situation as quickly as possible because it's very uncomfortable. But we know that 
you know, silver is refined a whole bunch before it's silver, before it becomes a precious metal. And it's that process, you know, that we can really embrace on our journey to bring about that growth in ourselves and in our businesses as a result. Would you equate anti-fragility at all to mental toughness? In some sense, mental toughness is more like robustness. It's more like resilience in the sense that you can be mentally tough. Mm-hmm. You can have a thick skin, but it doesn't mean you're necessarily growing as a result. Okay. Anti-fragility kind of peels back the next layer of that and says, it's the shift from why is this happening to me to how is this happening for me? And looking at those moments as what am I meant to learn from this? You know, a lot of us say, okay, there's no such thing as mistakes. You know, it's just lessons. It's just learning. It's just experience. And that's great. And it's taking that one step further. And what is this teaching me? And how am I taking action on that? How am I allowing that to shape myself and therefore the results that I am able to or not able to accomplish? Very cool. Is there something in your business life where you could kind of apply or give us an example of maybe how you applied this anti-fragility concept in in the business world? Anything come to mind? I apologize in advance for putting you on the spot if nothing does. No, this is a great question. And actually something very, very relevant comes to mind within the past, I'd say 18 months or so to be conservative. There has been a lot of change in my business. Now I've been in business almost eight years. But what my business looks like today, having this conversation with you, Tyler, is completely different than it looked 18 months ago, two years ago, or, or, or more. Right. And there were a couple of things that happened very unexpectedly that caused me to stop and consider. Now, the very first of those things was, it was a weekday, about 8.15 in the morning, We have our family group text and we're always sending each other memes and real estate, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a vacation home here, that kind of fun stuff, right? And we got a very different kind of text in the the thread that morning, which was, hey, these two friends that we have, close family friends, have been missing since last night. And simultaneously, a news report that two bodies had been found burned. In our small hometown where I tell you nothing ever happens. It's like one of the quietest little safest towns you could possibly imagine. And it rocked our world because very quickly found out our new two missing friends were the victims of a very random act of violence. I had just seen one of these two people a couple of weeks before. Hadn't seen her in a while. Had a beautiful conversation with her catching up. And she was always such a light. She was always, she brought so much joy everywhere she went. She was one of those people you just couldn't help but be happy around, but feel, she would just lift you up. And this hit me really hard. And I think in some ways, because of the tragic nature of it, the brutality of it, the violence, the fact that these were close family friends of many years, And that it was so random and senseless and that was hard to process. But it also was a moment where I recognized how fragile our lives are. So that sent me into just this emotional state of darkness for a while. Fast forward a couple of months and my aunt, 
who was also my godmother, passed away after a battle with Alzheimer's. And those two losses in that short amount of time, I mean, I can sit here, Tyler, and tell you, I don't think I had really experienced true grief prior to to these experiences. And it made me stop. And there was this inner sense of misalignment. I know that sounds very vague, right? We talk about these things like alignment and, you know, do you, how do you feel about your business, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, what are we even talking about, right? Show me the KPIs, show me the profits, <laughs> show, me, show me how we're really doing. But I think we can all relate to this sense, this felt sense that something's off. Something isn't going like it should. This feels harder than it needs to be. Things aren't syncing up like they should. And these two moments really caused me to reevaluate my entire business. I came this close. For those that are listening, there's like a millimeter between my forefinger and my (laughs) thumb right now. I came so close to quitting. Wow. Because I was in a place in my business where I lacked clarity on what was next. I'd been successful. We'd had a great year. One of it was our highest year in revenue ever, right? All of those things on paper looked good. But internally, there was a, a misalignment and things didn't feel good. And so it caused me to really take a serious look at what I was doing and why I was doing it. And at the time, I had two offers, which each of accounted for about half of our annual revenue. So it wasn't to say, like, well, one's doing better than the other. Let's stop this one, focus on this one. But I very much felt like I had a foot in two boats and I was trying to move forward, but gosh, it was one foot forward and then the other foot and then the other foot. And it was just this feeling of stuckness that I I couldn't get anywhere. And, you know, we had helped a lot of clients on both sides of that coin in each offer. And so it was difficult to say, well, do we, do we stop one of them? Do we turn one of them off? Can we, can we try to make both of these work? And after a couple of months of just sitting in the boat with the fog all around me, like, I don't know what the heck, how to, how to move forward from here. I realized that one of the offers was holding me back hmm. from doing the, the deeper purpose work, I call it, that I believe I'm here to do. And it was like a rubber band around my waist. And it was like, I was trying to move forward and, and couldn't. And trying to move forward, it would pull me back. And I realized it was time to cut that rubber band. It's time to cut it. Now, it meant sacrifice. It meant loss. It meant grieving that part of my business, the time that I spent building it, the revenue that I invested to build it, the revenue it was generating for us. It was a difficult decision. But I do think that those two experiences of that that personal grief and loss almost primed me for this moment in some sense because it was yet another thing that I needed to let go of in order to grow. What was the factor? What gave you that epiphany that this 50% was not the direction? It was the one that was holding me, holding you back. Was there anything? Was it gut feel? Was there some numerical data? What pushed you in the direction of the other way? Yeah. You know what it really boiled down to, quite honestly? Yeah. Was getting quiet and listening to my inner voice. Mm. Tuning out the outside voices that were telling me, oh, no, 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 this is a good offer. Look, it's producing this. It's doing this. It's generating this revenue. You're good at it. But recognizing that that was really more in my zone of excellence and not my zone of genius. It wasn't really where my heart was. And 
in recognizing that and in tuning in, you got to get quiet to listen to that voice because it whispers. But in getting quiet so that I could hear that felt sense of which direction, it became very obvious to me that that was the one that I needed to shut down. And it was hard to do. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, it was easy. I, I shut it down and, you know, it's great. Once I made that decision and moved forward, momentum started building. Traction started, you know, we started regaining that traction. We saw growth. We've seen tremendous growth in the other offer just in the past 12 months. But it, it took letting that go to realize that. And it was truly tuning into that inner voice to recognize, hey, this, this is the path. It's right here. Yeah, that takes guts. I mean, that's it can be perceived as risky and it takes guts to do something like that. So I appreciate you sharing that. How do you, um, just kind of shifting gears a little bit, how do you balance, so you have your your business ventures and then obviously you have your personal well-being. Burnout's a big topic with entrepreneurs. How do you balance that? So you're, you know, you're, you're giving quality to both sides. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what another big question, isn't it? Like, <laughs> how do we do that? I ask myself this every day, Tyler, because I'll, I'll be honest with you. There was probably a time in my life where I would have sat here and give some kind of you know professional answer like, well, here's what I do and I meditate and this and that, right? And I try to keep about... It's hard and it's messy. I mean, that's just the raw, honest truth. And yeah. there are days like this morning, <laughs> totally transparent with you. I put on my <laughs> workout outfit. I'm like, bye, honey, I'm hitting the gym. And he's like, okay, can you wait five minutes? Because he was trying to get our son out the door for school. And, and I was like, I'm really on a tight deadline today. He's like, but I really need your help. And I'm like, Okay. So there goes the workout, you know, here to serve my family and then hurry up, take a shower, get ready and jump right into my day. So there are moments like that where it's like, I might have things even perfectly planned out where I've got this 90 minute block. I'm going to do this workout. I'll have time to come home, get ready. And then literally a five minute change can throw something off. You know, we've all had those experiences where it's like, gosh, I should just stop planning things because it doesn't matter how good I plan. You know, I think... (laughs) I think at the at the end of the day, we have to realize that balance doesn't exist. Balance is a concept that we create. And you are the only person who can answer the question of what does balance look like for you? Because you're the only person who will know when you feel balanced. And so I'll give you another example of this. This year in my business, the past six months, this back half of the year, has been really focused on visibility and growth. And like I mentioned a moment ago, we're seeing a lot of momentum and a lot of traction right now. But it also means that in the six-hour blocks that I have to work when my son's at school, I'm booked up with six interviews or I'm booked up with six sales calls or different things that right now I'm wearing those hats in the business as we scale and bring more people on to take off some of that off of my plate. And those are long days. I don't want to work like that all the time. You know, I've been putting in time on, on Saturdays, sometimes getting up at 4.30 in the morning. And I know as I share this right now, I'm not alone. There are people listening who are like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel it. You know, yesterday was Sunday. I took a two hour nap because my body just needed the rest. And so practically speaking, one of the ways that I do tend to look at my calendar is a little bit different than a lot of people look at it. And what I do is with my assistant, we'll, we'll sit down and we'll map out the upcoming quarter And then we build in time for me and my family first. And then we build everything else around it according to priorities in the business. I'm not perfect at this. There are times that schedule changes, but it is a method that I have found helps me protect more of that margin and more of that white space that 
gosh, our brains and bodies just need, not to mention getting quiet, listening to your inner voice and all that other good stuff that can come from it, you know, but just maintaining our mental health and our mental well-being so that we can show up and serve at the level that we want to. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. You know, but just maintaining our mental health and our mental well-being so that we can show up and serve at the level that we want to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to talk about this concept of a top 100 podcast. So podcasting can be a vital tool for entrepreneurs. Where does that fit in like this top 100? What should entrepreneurs be doing if they're not in the world of podcasting? Is it the right fit for everyone? I'd love your thoughts around that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we work with a lot of experts, like I mentioned at the start of our interview, that want to create a greater impact. And at this point in the game, for a lot of people, they've made the money. It's not about the money. If it can provide a source of leads, great. It opens up another avenue, right? But it's really more about impact. Anytime we look at impact, we always have to say, well, well, how are we measuring that impact? How will you know when you've made that impact? And can a podcast be a powerful tool for creating that? Absolutely. But what happens is most people get into podcasting thinking it's going to be easy. They've got the knowledge and the experience. Okay, shouldn't be any problem to just package this into 20, 30-minute episodes and you know, let's get it out there and that if my content's good enough, people will listen. But what a lot of people are surprised to find out when they start podcasts is that it is difficult to reach people. Most podcast hosts don't last a year. 88% of people quit before they hit the one-year mark. Why? Because they're not seeing an ROI on their time. Right. You know it. It takes time to do a podcast. It takes commitment to do a podcast. And some people get into it thinking, well, this is not going to be as difficult as they find out that it is. So right out the gate, I'm honest with people and I'm like, look, if this is not something that you're doing because you have a heart of service and you're coming from that place of service to serve your community, then it's going to be very difficult for you to stay in the game. So we've got to make sure that, you know, if you're considering a podcast, maybe you've toyed with the idea, maybe you've wondered, you know, it's kind of like writing a book, right? Can it really give me that credibility? Yeah, it can. But the question mark in all of it is, or the caveat to all of it is like, well, but the podcast actually has to work in order for you to get that visibility, for you to get that credibility for you to have that reach, for you to serve in the way that you want to. And so one of the biggest mistakes that I see that people make when they start podcasts is thinking that if their content's good enough, that they'll naturally grow. You know, word of mouth will spread, people will listen, they'll share the show. And quite often that that doesn't happen. Nine out of 10 times, that's not what we see. And what we see, and we work with a lot of clients who come to us two, three years, and we have a client right now, 10 years in the podcasting space. Wow. And she said, 
Courtney, I'm not getting any leads from my show. I'm one of the top professionals in my niche and in my field. She speaks at all of these really high, she's a quantum physicist. So she speaks at all these very, wow. you know, conferences, big kind of scientific things. Right. I don't understand half of what she does. I'm in awe of her knowledge. <laughs> these people that you're just like, wow. But she said, you know, I've been podcasting for 10 years and I'm still not getting leads from my show to my business. You know, I might get three, 400 downloads an episode, but why haven't I grown more than that? I'm doing all the right things. I have great content. I'm consistent. You know, she even started a second podcast in hopes that maybe this one will land. This first one didn't stick, right? And honestly, what it boils down to is, is two things. First of all, you let's, let's say you want to open a bakery. You think you've got the best baked goods on the planet. So you get your, you find your retail location, you get it all set up, you bake all your goods, you know, and you flip that open sign and you sit there and you're twiddling your thumbs, just kind of waiting for people to come. Because if you don't actually get out there to tell people how great your baked goods are, well, you have no way to grow. And the same is true in the podcasting space. You could have the best content on the planet, but if you don't know how to sell that content, how to actually communicate to a potential listener why it's worth their time to listen to, why it's relevant to them, you're going to have a very hard time getting listeners to your show, even if your content's superior to the podcaster down the street who's talking about something similar. So we have to understand first as hosts, before we can even talk about you know, what to do to get in the top 100, we have to understand that it's not really so much about having good content as it is about getting good at selling that content and helping people understand why they should listen. And then the other piece that it boils down to is that, you know, people say, well, consistency, right? We hear it all the time. You've probably heard this, Tyler, too. You're a podcaster. You know, it's got to be consistent. Don't miss a week. Make sure you get that episode out. Rain, shine, snow, sleet. We don't get snow down here, so I don't really know, you know, <laughs> if, if, snow, if snow doesn't affect me. Uh, global pandemic, right? It doesn't matter. Get that episode out. Be batched. Stay consistent because, you know, you're going to lose all your listeners if, if you miss a week. And I just, it's just such bad advice. It's such bad information and it's misinformation in the industry because, yeah, consistency is important. We know it. It's important in your life. I mean, if you eat a donut every day, what do you think is going to happen? Sure. You know, I mean, or if you, if you go to the gym every day, what do you think is going to happen? We are what we repeatedly do. Sure. So, yes, it's important, but it's not as important as differentiation. And differentiation is the other thing that we see not happening in the podcast space that prevents people from getting in the top 100 from having ranked podcasts that are actually reaching an audience of global listeners. And so when I, when I say differentiation, when I talk about this, it's about understanding, first of all, who is this podcast for? Are you doing it for you and your ego? Because yes, it can give you credibility, but if that's all you're doing it for, you're not going to get very far. We got to go deeper than that. And we got to think about who are we here to serve? But even deeper than that, how does this podcast serve them? What problems does it solve for them that I can help them with? And then when you're clear on that, then we can begin to build the foundation for a show that can attract those listeners and align those assets of your show, your name, your cover art, your episode titles, and so forth to attract those people. Because guess what? There are five steps in the listener journey that someone has to go through before they even press play on your content. I call them your content gatekeepers. 
<laughs> you know, because if you're not getting it through all of those five gates, you've lost them. What are the five steps? Are they easy ones? Yes. So the first gatekeeper is your cover art. Okay. The second is your show name. Okay. The third is your description. Okay. The fourth are your episode titles and then your episode descriptions. So my background's in psychology. So I apply a lot of this, right, to help you create subconscious demand for what you do, what you teach, what you talk about on your show. So let's look at cover art as an example. Yeah. So what we see with cover art, you can go in any category and look at what the trends are in that category. So let's take the marketing category. And I literally have a screenshot of this. And I teach this in our workshops because it's so fascinating once you realize, okay, what's kind of going on here on a psychological level. So if you go into the marketing category and you take a screenshot of the top 10 episodes and you kind of just squint your eyes and look at the thumbnails, you'll notice that a lot of the colors that most of those hosts are using are really warm colors. They're yellow, they're orange, there's some bright reds and pinks. And we also see some deeper, darker colors like blacks and navy blues. Now, Amy Porterfield is often rotating in that top 10 of those marketing podcasts any given day. When you look at those pieces of artwork and then you notice Amy, you'll notice what she's done is completely opposite of what everyone else is doing in that category. Her cover art is light gray. She's got on like this light blue denim colored shirt. The only warm color we see is a little pop of yellow behind her name. And what does it do psychologically? It draws your eye away from all the other podcasts that it's next to. Now, whether or not she did this strategically, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it is brilliant and we can learn a lot from it. Because when we are consuming any kind of content, we don't consume content logically. We consume it unconsciously and emotionally. So when you're scrolling through Instagram, what makes you click like on something? What makes you continue watching that video? What's that binge factor there? And we can apply this to podcasting. You know, when people are scrolling through the options of things to listen to, they're not sitting there going, oh, I am logically looking at the cover art right now to see which one looks the most attractive to me. Right. But it's an unconscious decision that happens in a split second. And it can either make or break that person's attention to you or away from you. So we've got to really understand, first of all, who we're here to serve, what problems we solve for them. And then to understand on these intimate levels, right? Just looking at one aspect of a podcast cover art, how are we psychologically creating demand, unconsciously creating demand, drawing their attention to you, differentiating you from other podcasts like you? And then when we can do this at each level with those content gatekeepers, and there's very specific things you can do, I mean, this is just one of them. Imagine when you have all five dialed in, right? Right. And this is before we even talk about what to put in your episodes, how to structure your content how to get those listeners to convert to leads if that's your goal. And so we look at this through every aspect of the podcast. So circling back to what you asked me, you know, about the top 100 and, and you know, how do we get there and, and what does that look like? And, you know, is it worth it to do a podcast and all of these things? You know, I think it can be an extremely powerful tool for creating visibility, for creating demand, but it won't be that unless you understand on a deeper level 
how to create that demand through the aspects of the podcast that we have available to us. Good stuff. That's a deep answer. I appreciate you going in that much detail, but there is a lot to it. I think in some ways it sounds, it could sound very scary to someone that hasn't done podcasting, but I think on the flip side, it's not probably, I mean, as long as you're doing those things, it doesn't sound, it's not as bad as it probably sounds to someone that's new to it. Correct. And you know what a lot of our clients say, because we serve two different types of clients. It's the, on the one hand, it's the people who, you know, feel like that unheard expert in their niche. They're done with the short form content game. They don't want to line Mark Zuckerberg's pockets with ads anymore. They're like, "Mm, I've had enough there, you know, and they're looking for other ways to reach new audiences, but they're worried they're not going to have enough time to keep up with a podcast Yeah. or, oh gosh, what if I run out of things to talk about? You know, I'm here trying to do this to be this thought leader and that would be embarrassing, right? And it's those kind of thoughts that keep them from getting started. And for those people, it can feel overwhelming, but if you're really committed to doing it, then it makes sense to learn, right? Because think of if you were writing a a book and you wanted that book to be a bestseller out the gate. Well, you probably wouldn't DIY it. You probably would expect it to take a certain amount of time and effort and energy. And for there to be some kind of learning curve involved there to actually learn how to write a bestselling book. And the same is true, you know, if you're thinking of starting a podcast for the first time or if you're an existing podcaster. Because most of the problems that existing podcasts have is because they didn't dial these pieces in to begin with. Yeah, makes sense. But once you have them dialed in, oh, you've got that foundation, you can grow. You yeah. can grow. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Hey, I always love to end with the, these couple questions, kind of fun questions. One is, is there a tip, whether it be a business tip, an entrepreneurial tip, or even a life tip, something you've learned along your journey you can share with us that we can apply? Yeah, you know, circling back to this idea of anti-fragility. Yeah. I mentioned how, you know, my definition of that is growing through what you go through. And coming from my psychology background, our language is really important. How we talk about ourselves, how we talk about our life, how we talk about our businesses, and the specific language that we use. So whenever you are experiencing some adversity or going through a difficult time, a tendency that all of us have is to say, you know, I'm going through a lot right now. I'm going through a lot. True. But what if we could change that to, I'm growing through a lot right now. I'm growing through a lot. It is a very subtle shift, but it's a very powerful one that when you apply that, especially if you're in a moment right now where you're in a season that you're lacking that clarity, or maybe you're like me where you're like, I've got these two paths. They don't converge. Which one do I take? You know, that you can say, how am I growing through this? And it just, it cracks that part of your brain open just enough to let the light in to help you see a different perspective than you might not have otherwise seen. Yeah, what a cool mindset shift. I like that. Growing through a lot. I like that. That's cool. Definitely will be in the show notes. And then the other one I'd love to ask you, if there if there's a book, a podcast, a show that you're watching, something that you could we could enjoy that you're enjoying, I'd love to know about it. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a book on my desk. I'm looking at it right now. It's <laughs> called The Next Right Thing. It's by an author by the name of Emily Freeman. And it's a book about discernment. And I find it, first of all, so practical. And it's one that I refer to a lot because there's so many moments of discernment in our businesses, you know, it's like every day, every hour, like, what do I have to decide now? You know, the decision fatigue is very real, but she approaches it with such a refreshing perspective. There's one thing she says in the book that I live by now. And she says, you know, when we're in those seasons where the fog is thick and we don't have that clarity, 
we often look for answers. We want the answer. Give me the answer. Where is the answer? She said, we're looking so hard for the answers that we don't see the arrows that are pointing us in the direction we need to go. She said, we need to start looking for the arrows, not the answers. And that's another one of those just subtle but very powerful mindset shifts that really can help you. And now now I look for arrows in my business. You know, with a lot of this pivot that we've done this year and this rebranding, it's like, where are the arrows pointing me? And even if the answer is not clear yet, I can usually find the direction by tracking those arrows. Wow. Yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, Courtney, you're awesome. You, I appreciate just how open you are and sharing your story. Uh, your website, podlaunch.info. Once again, podlaunch.info. I'll put that in the show notes at thinktyler.com. If people wanted to reach out to you anywhere else, is, is there anywhere else you'd like them to go or is Podlaunch the right spot? That's a perfect spot to get information on what we do. We teach free workshops. These are like just educational and, you know, workshops. They're not pitch fests. Like, come sit in on one of those with me if you're toying with the idea of a podcast or you've got one that's not growing like you want it to. I'd love to have you there. I hang out on Instagram. So if you're there, I'm there at the Courtney Elmer. I would love it if you would DM me and just let me know what your biggest takeaway was from this conversation today. I'm on LinkedIn too. Courtney Elmer, type in my name, I'll pop up. And of course, our podcast, which you can find on any app, just type in my name and it'll pop up there as well. That's awesome. And I'll put all these links in the show notes too. So if people do want to reach out to you. Hey, Courtney, thanks so much. And I I loved hearing your story and love to see your journey keep growing. So thanks for your time. And I hope you can come on again in the future. Oh, I'd love that. Thank you, Tyler, for having me. Thank you. Take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Electric acid.